Good morning. Yeah, I'm going to talk today. I got nowhere better to be. I can stay here all day. Don't ever challenge a preacher. Good to have you with us this morning. Glad that you're joining us online. Before I get started, let me say publicly thank you to Angie. I have known Angie most of her life, a lot of my life, and the work that she has done here and her creativity and just the way she's poured her heart into our kids. Um, we love you, Angie, and thanks for what you've done and what you'll do, and uh, glad to be part of the family with my family. Well, as it's already been mentioned several times, this is a brand new year, and my hope, my goal prayer for 2023 is that all of us from our heart can experience a closer, deeper, more experiential relationship and connection to God. And my prayer for the coming year is that we all be transformed more and more into the image of His Son, Jesus. That's my prayer for 2023. And I want to start the very first sermon in 2023 with a story. It's a true story. Several years ago, there was a, a fighter pilot doing uh, some testing and maneuvers over the California desert. And she was traveling at a high rate of speed, doing some pretty tricky maneuvers. And she turned the controls in a direction that she thought would take her into a steep ascent up into the sky, but instead the fighter jet turned nose down and flew straight into the ground. And investigators tried to find out the cause of that problem, the cause of that fatal crash. And what they concluded was that while she was flying at a high rate of speed, when the accident occurred, she was flying upside down. Instead of going straight up into the air, she turned and went straight into the ground. And I hear that and I think, how is that possible? How could you possibly be flying a plane upside down and not know it? And apparently, and some of you might be able to verify this, it's not as unimaginable as it might sound. When you're going that fast, doing those kind of maneuvers back to back to back, it is very easy to lose your sense of orientation. It's easy to kind of lose track of what's up and what's down. And if you make the mistake of flying by what seems to be right and what feels right or what even looks right, you're putting yourself and your aircraft in peril. At those kind of speeds, doing those kind of maneuvers, you've got to trust your instrument panel. You've got to trust what you know to be true. You know, I think about that tragic story. And I can't help but realize that we all have a tendency, figuratively, to fly upside down sometimes. To get so busy flying through life at Mach 1 that we sort of lose track of what's up and what's down. We're trying to pull off so many maneuvers that we sort of try to fly by the seat of our pants. That we don't trust what we know to be true. We don't trust the instrument panel. There are times when you know, we pull on the stick and we think we're going to go speeding toward a direction that we feel pretty confident about, only to find out that we're getting ready to crash and burn. You think we know the right way, 
flying by instinct because it seems right. And it feels right. And it looks right. But it leads to tragedy. We all know what it's like to fly upside down every now and then. And I think maybe this time of year especially is a good time for us to slow down a little bit, get our bearings, to regroup just a little bit, and quit flying by our instincts. Quit trying to make decisions on what seems right and what feels right. And recommit to trusting to what we know is right. You know, at the beginning of every year, we, we think about and we itemize and we prioritize all the changes that we're going to make in the new year. It's, I think, sort of human nature to do that. And one of the changes that I think we would all agree on is we want to make better choices for a new year, right? We would all agree. One of the things we want to do in a new year is make better decisions because we look back on last year and we realize, boy, I wish I'd done a few things differently. I wish I'd made, I wish I'd made a different decision, you know, in this instance, in that instance. So nobody's going to make a New Year's resolution to make poor choices going into the new year. We all want to make better choices in 2023. And this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about choices. Not so much about the specific choices that you're going to be choosing to make, but more how we go about making choices as we enter a new year. How can we walk into a brand new year with the confidence that the choices we make this year are going to be a little bit better than some of the choices that we made last year? But before I get there, before I start talking to you about your choices, I want to remind you of an important uh, reality, and that is you have already been chosen. God has chosen you. And were it not for his choice, none of the choices that we make would really matter too much. I put just a couple passages on the screen there. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And then he writes in 2 Thessalonians, But we ought to always thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, obviously, there are places in the Bible that talk about the, the role that we play and the freedom that we have in responding to God's choices. But make no mistake, you have been chosen by God. And we all can remember what it's like to stand on a playground while people are choosing up sides for kickball, and you're hoping, somebody please choose me. The Bible says that God looked down the line and he pointed to you. And he invited you to be on his team. It's one more reason why Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, is one of my favorite verses. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We have already been chosen by God. And there's a real good chance that in the next 12 months, you will not get chosen for some things. There's a real good chance in the, in the next year you're going to be passed over for some things that you would really like to have. Maybe you'll be passed over for a, a job or a promotion. Maybe you'll be passed over in a relationship that you're kind of counting on. Maybe you'll be passed over in an opportunity that you're excited about. And when those things happen, and they, they will, 
I want you to face those situations with the context of, yeah, but I've been chosen by God. So I got that going for me. You do because you have. And that really can make all the difference as we try to keep ourselves rooted and, and oriented. You know, again, kind of speeding through life at the speed of sound. I've been chosen by God. The one at the very center of it all has chosen me. And yet, the good news is, it's even deeper than that. Not only have we been chosen to have a relationship with God, God has actually invited us to be a part of the mission. Jesus says himself in uh, John 15, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We have been chosen to bear fruit. It's wonderful that we've been chosen to, to be invited into a relationship with God, but we've also been invited and chosen to be fruit bearers. So I want to speak to that a little bit this morning. And when a preacher is talking about choices and choosing, it's sort of hard not to go to the end of the book of Joshua. So I'm going to go there for just a little bit this morning. You know that story. Joshua has led the people into the promised land. And then by the end of Joshua's tenure as leader, he gets the Israelites together one last time. And he has a pretty famous speech that he shares with the Israelites. And I want to share with you just a part of what he says at the end of the book. It's Joshua chapter 24. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And then Joshua famously says, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord and if you read the end of the book of Joshua, you know that the people completely agreed with Joshua. Absolutely, we're with you, Joshua. We will serve the Lord as well. God's people renew the covenant that they made with God, which I think is significant as we think about the year ahead of us. Because I, I think that one of the things that that famous passage teaches us, and we don't talk about it very often, but I think we should, there is a legitimate place for renewing your covenant with God. And there's a legitimate time and a place for renewing your commitment to the Lord. I think sometimes people feel very guilty when they find themselves in a place in their life, a season of their life where they're like, you know, I, I need to think about my commitment to God. But you shouldn't feel guilty about that. You know, all through Scripture, we read about people who come to the conclusion, I, I need to renew that commitment. I need to renew that covenant. The book of Joshua, after all that God had done, all that God had, had provided for his people, all those battles that he had led them through, settling the land, Joshua is still talking to them about their idols. Because apparently some of them were still worshiping the gods of their fathers before they even got to the promised land. And apparently some of them had picked up some of the gods and some of the idols of the Canaanites in whose land they were living. And it wasn't like they were already had been committed to the Lord. If you remember the story, before they enter the promised land, they, they make a covenant with God that they're going to serve God. And now God's been with them all this time. They had a history with the Lord. They were a people of promise. They'd made a promise. 
But by the end of the book, they need to renew that commitment. They need to reaffirm that promise. And I mention that because there are times in our lives when we need to renew the promise. And we need to rethink the commitment. Just because you made a commitment once, just because you have a history with God, just because He's led you through some really tough times, just because you've walked with God for a long time, doesn't mean that we're not still picking up idols every now and then. And we live in a world where it is so easy to pick up an idol, to handle it, and to carry it around a while. And before long, we're worshiping that idol. You say, no, I, I don't have any idols. Oh, yes, we do. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, Timothy Keller, one of my favorite writers, has a great description of the idols that we pick up. And I want to share with you something that he says in that book. I could paraphrase it, but he says it so much better than I could. It's a rather lengthy reading, and I sometimes hesitate to do that, but I want you to listen because it's just so good and it's so, he's so true. Here's what he writes. A counterfeit God is anything so central to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. An idol has such a controlling position in your heart that you can spend most of your passion, your energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. It can be family and children, career, making money, achievement or critical acclaim, or saving face in social standings. It can be a romantic relationship, peer approval, confidence and skill, secure and comfortable situations, your beauty, your brains, a great political or social cause, your morality, your virtue, even a success in a Christian ministry. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, I know my life has meaning. I feel that I have significance and value. We make sacrifices to appease and please our gods who we believe will protect us. We look to our idols to provide us with a sense of competence and security. Anything that's more important and non-negotiable than God becomes an enslaving idol. In this paradigm, we can locate idols by looking at our most unyielding emotions. What makes us uncontrollably angry, anxious, or despondent? Idols control us since we feel we must have them or life is meaningless. What many people call psychological problems are simply forms of idolatry, perfectionism, workaholism, chronic indecisiveness, the need to control the lives of others. All of these stem from making good things into idols and then drive us into the ground as we try to appease them. Idols dominate our lives. These idols drive us into the ground as we try to appease them. Idols dominate our lives. I think he's right. There are times when in order to rethrone the king in our lives, we've got to dethrone some other kings. Just like Joshua encouraged the people, you've got to choose. And Joshua says, choose today, this day whom you're going to serve. I know what our history is, but you choose today whom you're going to serve moving forward. And really, what better time for us to kind of rethink that than the first day of a brand new year when everybody's rethinking choices and decisions and making plans for the coming 12 months of the year. 
And making one choice at the very beginning of the year could settle a whole bunch of other choices that you're going to have to deal with later on this year. You know, we used to always try to teach our children, you make your decision before you get in a tight spot of how you're going to respond and who you're going to be. Before the temptation comes, before the peer pressure comes, before the disappointment comes, you decide how you're going to react. You make that decision now. Makes me think about the famous missionary John Patton who spent his life serving and ministering in the South Sea Islands. He traveled from island to island preaching the gospel. And he was headed toward a new island one day and the people on the boat said, you don't want to get off on this island. You don't want to try to share Jesus with these people. They're cannibals. And if you try to tell people about Jesus on this island, there's a real good chance you'll die on this island. And John Patton famously turned to the man and said, Sir, I died long before I came to any of these islands. Now make the decision today. You could settle a whole lot of other decisions that you'll be forced to deal with. Choose this day whom you serve. Here's another thing that I will encourage you to do. Choose with the end in mind. When I'm talking about the end in mind here, I'm not talking about death. <laughs> Last fall, we talked a lot about the end, right? We had a whole sermon series talking about Moses telling us to number our days, and I talked at length about how short our dash was. Is with the consequences of your choices in mind. You know, farmers plant seed and they water it and they fertilize it, thinking about the harvest. We need to think about the harvest. Or to put it another way, play the movie out in your mind before you make the decision. Try to think about how that thing, that movie is going to play out if you go down this path. We so often make choices, make decisions on what's going on right here, right now, right in front of us. And we never think about the consequences of the choice that we're going to make. But you know, intellectually, there is no such thing as consequence-free living. Scripture says in Galatians 6, don't be misled. Remember, you can't ignore God and get away with it. You will always reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of decay and death. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. We reap what we sow. Our choices come with consequences. Our decisions have implications. I am who I am today, partly because of the decisions that I made yesterday. And I live in a culture that doesn't like to think about consequences. I live in a culture that celebrates, that, that revels in that gets drunk on the freedom of choice. We love to talk about our freedom of choice. No one's going to make me do anything. I'm going to do what I want to do. And by the way, I love living in a country where I have so much freedom of choice. But it's easy to get caught up in that freedom and ignore the consequences of our choices. Listen, this is important. You are free to make your own choices. You are not free to decide the consequence of those choices. You can make your own choice, but you can't choose the consequence of the choices that you make, which leads me to my last point, and that is we've got to start asking a better question. 
Most time our question is, is it okay? Is it legal? Is it all right? When we're making decisions, especially important decisions, we got to start asking, is it wise? What's the wise decision here? I don't know that I've ever mentioned this publicly. I don't think I've ever shared this. You're going to find out a little bit something about me this morning. Uh, you might not know this. I'm a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan. <laughs> I don't think I've ever mentioned that before. You probably don't know that. But uh, I'm a big Steeler fan. Ben Roethlisberger is the youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl when he was 23 years old. His first Super Bowl. Shortly after that win, he had a very lengthy interview with Andrea Kramer on ESPN. And she asked him about everything. And one of the things she asked him about was his love of motorcycles. And the fact that he rode his motorcycle all over Pittsburgh with no helmet. And he was sort of known for that. People would see him, you know, he's a pretty recognizable guy. And they'd see him all over Pittsburgh riding a motorcycle with no helmet. And she asked him about that. And he said, that's true. I don't wear a helmet when I ride my bike. Now, if it was a law, I certainly would. I wouldn't break the law. But there is no law against it. So I feel freer when I ride my bike without a helmet. You know, I, when I can hear and see the sights and the sounds of the city. And I just, I don't know. It's, it's very freeing, the wind in my hair, to ride without a helmet. And some of you will remember this. It was just really a few weeks after that interview, a driver ran a red light, hit Ben Roethlisberger on his motorcycle, and the impact put him through the windshield of another car. He was in surgery for over eight hours, multiple fractures to his skull, and broke a whole bunch of teeth out of his mouth. Uh, it was life-threatening. He was months healing. Before he was finished the healing process, he had a press interview, and he apologized to his family. And he apologized to the Steeler organization, and he apologized to his friends and his fans. And he said, I was so focused on my own freedom. I was so focused on my own selfishness that it never occurred to me that my actions would affect other people. And he committed that day, he said, if you ever see me on a motorcycle again, I will be wearing a helmet. And I share that story with you to illustrate the fact that there are limitations based on making decisions. Is it legal? Is it okay? Do people say it's all right? We've got to start asking the question, is it wise? You know, we live in a culture where we can do a lot of things that are legal. And we can do a lot of things that people will say, that's okay, but it is far from wise. Play the entire movie in your head. You know, I want to be a part of a family. I want to be a part of a church where we set the bar higher than that. Is it wise? Scripture's filled with passages, and I mean filled with passages directing us towards seeking wisdom. I'm going to share one with you. It's Proverbs chapter 4. Just happens to be the wisest man who ever lived speaking, but he's talking about his dad. Solomon is talking about advice that he received from his father, David, and he says this, My father told me, Take my words to heart. Follow my instructions and you will live. Learn to be wise and develop good judgment. Don't forget or turn away from my words. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. 
Remember in the book of 1 Corinthians, Apostle Paul said, everything is permissible for me, not everything is expedient. Paul said, just because I can, doesn't mean I should. We need to be asking the question, is it wise? The choices that I'm making, play that movie out. What path is this going to put me on? Is it wise? Which means, obviously, we need to be prayerful every day, asking God for wisdom. So, we are coming out of a very busy Christmas season. We are entering a brand new year, screaming through the clouds in a Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, which, by the way, is the fastest jet on the world, in the world today. Going back to my original analogy. Don't trust your instincts. As you're making decisions, flying as fast as you fly, doing all the things that you do, don't make decisions based on how it looks, how it feels, how it seems. Trust your instrument panel. Trust what you know to be true, what you know to be right. Trust God. Trust God's word. You've been chosen by God. You've been chosen to bear fruit, to make choices with the end in mind, and to seek wisdom. And maybe this morning, some of you are here, that before you can even ask those questions, you need to do what Joshua encouraged the people to do. You need to reassess where you stand with God going into a new year, a new chapter. You need to recommit your covenant. Reassess your commitment. Maybe you've allowed some idols to slip into your life. Choose today, this day, whom you will serve. It's January 1st, 2023. What a great day to make a new start. If we can help you as a church family this morning, we invite you to come to the front. Let's go ahead and be standing uh, as we sing.